RadioInfluence.com. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone, and welcome into this episode of the MA Report Podcast. I am Jason Floyd, and boy, do we have a ton to talk about what's going on in the world of MMA. Of course, in a moment, we'll be joined by my colleague, Daniel Galvan, the midweek edition here of the MMA Report Podcast. Of course, as always, I appreciate you taking time out of your day, whether you're listening to us on the podcasting platforms, whether you're watching this on YouTube, really do appreciate it. Of course, great way to show your support for the show rating review uh if you're watching this over youtube like comment subscribe hit that notification bell all that truly does help us out a ton as well and of course we have got a ton of things to talk about in the world of mixed martial arts today daniel happy thanksgiving bro how you doing man man happy thanksgiving bro uh recording thanksgiving morning this is perfect as soon as we're done i gonna be hungry for some turkey I'll be hungry to watch the dallas cowboys you know play football i'm not a big fan but the texans suck uh so my texans sucks so i gotta watch the cowboys but i'm excited to dig in eat food get drunk and have a good time jason and i tell you what last week i don't know if it was on the podcast or afterwards but you kind of talked about how you thought it may have been a slow week we were only gonna have pfl to talk about yeah. And I said, hold, MMA said, hold my beer. Every single week, Jason, there's always a whole crap load to talk about in this wonderful sport. Yeah, it, it's one of those things of, uh, I, I quote unquote, took the past couple of days off, which I really don't know what that truly means in, in my world when I say I'm taking a couple of days off. Um, and I really thought when we were going to do this show, because, you know, we had mentioned about what, what your schedule was, what my schedule was. And we're like, hey, well, let's just do a Thanksgiving morning. We can kind of get the, you know, record the pod at that time and i really thought i was like you know what we're gonna sit here and we're just gonna we're probably just gonna talk pfl championships but i put this list together of things that have happened in the world of mixed martial arts over the past couple past week since we've done a podcast together and once I, I label all these things out, you can go wherever you want because I kind of feel like this is going to be a show that we kind of hop around from one promotion to the other, one news topic to the other. So uh, I saw here, number one, Vadim Nemkov stops all of Corey Anderson's takedown to retain the Bellator lightweight title and win the Grand Prix, wins a million dollars. And man, boy, was I wrong about that fight. I was absolutely wrong. I thought that was going to be a coronation of Corey Anderson. Vadim Nemkov going down to American Top Team looked absolutely amazing. Uh, number two, James Krause uh, no, was not allowed to corner Miles Johns. And boy, uh, Daniel, I tweeted about this and uh, got some crazy interactions on that one. And uh, of course, everything, the fallout that's happened uh, since then, we've got uh, more of that fall. Kuz, my guy, Daniel, for following, uh, finding this out this morning. And number three, Derek Lewis pulled from the UFC Vegas 65 main event, which I feel like everyone's just kind of forgotten about because of the James Krause story. Uh, number four, yesterday, Yuri Prohoshka vacates the UFC light heavyweight title due to a serious shoulder injury that's going to take a lot of rehab. And now the interim title on December 10th, will be Jan Blachowicz taking on Magomed and Kalayev. And then number five, Kayla Harrison goes on the MMA Hour. Tremendous interview. You did not catch that over at the MMA Hour. Highly recommend going to the, the MMA Fighting YouTube channel and check that out. She revealed a lot of things. And Daniel, the biggest reveal to me that she had in this interview is the fact of after tomorrow night, she only has two fights left on our PFL deal. And even bigger with that is PFL has no matching rights. 
Wow. That was something that I wasn't aware of. And that's a big time news story. It really is. But I think we probably got to save that one for the end just because we can kind of close out the show with that. And then maybe a little PFL preview. I think let's get started with the juiciest topic on the, on the MMA world, man. I mean, the topic that some websites haven't been covering thoroughly. Some have, but I think it's the most interesting thing. It's the fact that one of the champions of the UFC has a coach that may no longer be allowed to be there anymore. I mean, that's crazy what happened to James Krause. And you mentioned last week that there was going to be someone the UFC was going to make an example of down the line. The line lasted five days. So we'll, we'll give you a little insight. Saturday, you know, for the most part, I watch a lot of MMA content on demand. This past weekend was a different story. Watch Bellator live, watch the UFC live. I'm sitting here in my home studio and I, I've got the fights on the television. And, I, and of course, after everything that's going on with, you know, the Miles Johns, what he said in his post-fight interview, and then to what, you know, Derek Lewis pulled out of the fight. I text Dale and go, hey, man, you watching the fights? So I got to ask you, when you see that notification on your phone, what goes through your mind? I know something went down because it's a damn Apex card. It's a damn Apex card, and you're asking me if I'm watching the fights? I'm like, no, bro, I'm not watching, you know, Brady Haystan and Fernie Garcia live, Okay. I got to pick my battles. I got to hang out with the people I love on Apex nights. And when it's pay-per-view time once a month, I got to watch a got to watch it live. Unless the PFL pay-per-view. So no, I, I knew some, 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 some crap went down, but by God, it was a lot of crap that went down. Jason, we had the main event off and we had James Krause getting pulled from the card. He's a coach and he got pulled from the card and it was revealed in a post fight interview. It was, uh, it was bananas. Yeah, I mean, first off, we got to give some kudos here to ESPN.com. Mark Hermondi, um, and I want to get the other uh, reporter's name on the story correct. Um, David David Putnam, I want to say his name is. Um, I, I want to I make sure I get this guy's uh, name here correct, scrolling down my timeline. Um, David Payne uh, Purdom. I hope I, I said his name correctly. And so, you know, I had this, this tweet on Saturday that just went, crazy and you know it's one of those things where you tweet something and you go did i say something crazy and you know i want to pull uh pull my tweet and this is what i wrote i said uh ufc denying credentials for james kraus to be in the corner for miles john speaks volumes about what is likely happening behind the scenes also makes me wonder how far the investigation by the u.s integrity has progressed in my opinion this is the biggest story in mma right now and uh, over the past couple of days i've spoken to the various people in the mixed martial arts industry and um I think the general thought that I have is a lot of people agree with me that this is the biggest story in mixed martial arts. And I mentioned about to me, it's where this story turned really for me was when David uh, Payne Putnam tweeted this New Jersey division gaining enforcement notify the state sportsbook today that they are prohibited from taking bets on fights that James Krause is involved in as a coach, trainer, promoter, or fighter that is like i mean look i'm not and, and i said this on sunday's podcast i'm not making any assumptions about james kraus i'm not going to do that but what i will say is when i see that tweet daniel i go oh my this this story is evolving and 
as we were doing our pre-show meeting here today, you stumbled across something. Yeah, man, I'm a big fan of the One Percent Club with James Krause. You know, it, 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 it's funny, like the way we cover this story. It's like I, I'll recognize my own bias and, and say it. And one of my biases is I enjoyed watching him previewing and breaking down cards. You know, sometimes it'd get a little fishy where they would talk about like, "Hey, yeah, join our Discord and." You know, we'll take over your account and we'll make some bets for you. I'm like, all right, well, I'm in Texas, so I can't even gamble. But uh, that's interesting. But I'm a big fan of the 1% Club. And I was like, where's my latest episode breaking down the PFL? And um, it, the channel doesn't exist anymore. Uh, there is no longer a 1% Club. All I got to say is it feels like James is very much in a defensive posture which is something that maybe he should have told some of his fighters uh, in their fights. But it, it feels like Krause is taking this seriously, as he should, because this is a crazy big deal. This is, this, is, this is something that, like, legally he could be in a lot of trouble, and he's just got to hope that he didn't do anything bad. It doesn't look great. You know, he had a fighter who was injured, had suspicious betting activity and then the fighter lost in like 45 seconds after kicking with his injured limb and losing. So something as simple as disclosing that information that his fighter was injured to the wrong person is egregious enough to justify this type of punishment. But it's worth noting that after the memo that went out about fighters and coaches not being allowed to gamble on fights, James was still going full speed ahead when it comes to his analysis and gambling and his discord activity. So in it, like just straight off of that, he kind of violated the memo. I would assume that's my assumption. He would have violated mm -hmm. it by playing in that space, but you do got to think it's much more than something as simple as that when you look at the uh, the action the New Jersey Athletic Commission has taken. And that's a pretty significant action, right? That includes a championship fight between Figgy and Moreno that you may not be able to put money on. This is... I, I This would be my assumption. My assumption is that James Krause's lawyer probably told him we need to delete this YouTube channel. But when you delete that YouTube channel, you know what, the, look, you know what the court of public opinion is on James Krause, even before learning about this YouTube channel being deleted. This is not, I mean, public perception on James Krause is not going to look good. You mentioned about Derek Minner, December the 14th, he will appear in front of the Nevada State Athletic Commission, and they are going to question him about why he did not disclose that injury. This is my speculation on that aspect. He did disclose that injury because he wanted to get paid, and then he was going to file an insurance claim to get, um, you know, that that medical coverage taken care of. That that's just my my perception. We'll see what Derek Minner says on December the fourteenth. Um, but right now, it's and I use um, I do use Discord. Uh, for our subscriber chat over at stochastic.com. I'm not going to act like I am any Discord expert, but I would have to imagine that in the investigation that the U.S. Integrity is doing, that I would imagine they've probably reached out to Discord, and they probably want to get some type of, of chat history to see, 
has James Krause done anything? But like, if you're Bram Moreno, you've got a title fight. What's it? January 12th or 13th or whatever. I think January 12th um, in, in Brazil. Like I saw he posted earlier this week on Instagram that he was training at glory. But like, if you're Bram Moreno, you gotta be sitting there going right now going, you, you, ha- if you're Bram Moreno, you have to pick up the phone and call Hunter Campbell, Dana White, or um, I can't, I cannot think of regulatory affairs name. He's got to call Bruce Buffer. No, why? Why? It's the Godfather of regulatory bodies. Mark Go Ratner. Mark Ratner. Yeah, <laughs> I said I had a brain freeze there. But like, like to me, that has you know maybe maybe your conversation starts with Mark Ratner. And it escalates to Dana White and Hunter Campbell and go, guys, I need some clarification. You know, are, are is this a situation of you're not going to allow James Krause to corner fighters for the immediate future and to see how this thing plays out? I mean, look, what the UFC is doing is no different than what other sports leagues are doing. This is like this is not something the UFC just created. The fact that the UFC put a memo out of this tells me whether it was something internally or something externally, they saw that there were some issues in terms of gambling. And we know how much sports gambling is a part of our sports viewing experience. I mean, how many times, I don't care what sport you're watching, gambling is integrated into the broadcast. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, hell, just watch a UFC event before every fight starting. They're not just throwing up what the odds are in the fight. They're telling you what the prop bets are. There's times in between the fight. They're telling you what the live betting odds is. They're, they're telling you about various props on the fight. Like it's a part of our world. Um, like to me, like the biggest part of the story to me is New Jersey. When you tell me there's another gaming commission that says we will not allow you to take bets on on a particular person and look i'm not making assumptions on james kraus but man it don't look good for you james and, and now yeah. you've deleted your youtube channel like there are going to be people that are going to see that and they're going to make a ton of, ton of uh, assumptions on whether they believe you're innocent or guilty and look we live in a world where you are innocent until proven guilty in the court of law in the court of public opinion, we all know you're guilty until proven innocent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, James is going to have to do some type of hardcore PR work to get and change the narrative because right now he's behind the eight ball in terms of shaping the narrative. Mm-hmm. And you do think at some point he's got to come out with some type of comment, especially for someone who was so out there with his face with his content i mean he made the youtube channel he had that interview with ariel hilwani he has the discord channel maybe a big reason why we're here today is because of how big of a profile james accumulated in a short amount of time mm-hmm. you know if, if james kraus doesn't have a youtube channel if he doesn't do that ariel hilwani interview if he isn't known as a gambling tout if he isn't taking money from people to be a part of their discord are we having this conversation right now is he able to is whatever action he did or didn't do, is that something that is noticed and picked up on? Or was it so obvious that he possibly could have been involved with the Derek Minner fight because of his profile that he kind of screwed himself? That's an interesting question. And it's something we'll never know. For Brandon Moreno, 
dude's got to change camps, in my opinion. I mean, look, James Krause did a great <clears> job <throat> with Brandon in that last fight. There's, there's no boat like that. That was a, an improvement, and Brandon Moreno performed really well. But Brandon's got to change up his camp. This is a big time fight. You know, Glover Teixeira talked about how he didn't want to take on Ankalaev in two weeks' notice because of how big of a deal the fact this is his last championship fight is. These are big opportunities. Brandon can't screw around, and he's in a very bad spot where he doesn't know what's going on with his coach and his fights in January. I think he's got to change camps. In fact, I would advise him to call Matt Hume up and be like, hey, can I train with Demetrius Johnson? Can I just go to Washington and train with y'all? That would be an interesting thing. Probably won't happen. Probably far away from his family. But Brandon needs to change his camp because this is crazy. I mean, I can't even imagine. What do you think it was like? I would like to be a fly on the wall going into glory on Monday. I mean, what kind of training have they done this week? Has James been in there? Has he been working with the with the fighters? Has he been chatting in the Discord? Well, I mean, what's been going on? Oh, you know? Man, it. I think me and you talked about this last week. Is it has been um, an interesting couple of weeks for James Krause. Yeah, bro. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm sure people with this podcast. They know about all the things that have happened uh, with James Krause, um, but man, it, it's been um, it's been a bad couple of weeks. Um, the, the the one wow. thing. Uh, so I just that? noticed this. So the picture I saw of uh, Bram Moreno at Glory is no longer there on his IG. Sounds like uh, reminds me of high school when I would break up with a girlfriend. And you just got to delete those posts. You just got to go through the feed and delete those posts. Well, it seems like Brandon came out early with his comments and things have developed and it, it just doesn't look good for James as time has gone on. So, yeah, yeah I mean, look, I, mean I, I think Brandon's going to be like, – Brandon has another coach, obviously, that he's been working with. So he could just go there. Um, yeah, so he, he lives in Las Vegas. Um, so he was going to Missouri to train there at Glory. Um, I, I like your, your thought process. Um you know, I mean, obviously, there's multiple gyms he could go there in Las Vegas. He could go to California as well. But yeah, man, to me, it's by far this is the biggest story in mixed martial arts, and it's one of those things of I mean, look, we're we're we do not live in a patient world. We want to know the answers now. I but I feel like this is one of those stories that I don't think lingers for a long time. I, I don't. I feel like if the I don't feel like this is going to be something where the U.S. integrity is investigating this for three, four months. I feel like within the next two weeks, we have clarity on this story. Maybe, and maybe yeah. I'm wrong, but I just feel like this is just something that just doesn't linger. Yeah, I will say I thought we were going to get more info on that PFL situation where the fights had already happened and then people took bets on them. Uh, but we never got any more info. I don't think this is that case. You know, I like the way you end. You, we're kind of ending it here where we're circling back to the idea that this is a really big story because it is a big story. I mean, can you imagine a coach in any other sport getting suspended for a gambling activity? It would lead ESPN. It would be on outside the lines. It would probably make it to Good Morning America. And it was something very interesting. I, I was very curious as to why. You know, I looked at two websites I really like, MMA Junkie and MMA Fighting. And it took a while 
for this story to get on those websites days. And it should have been on their website the second after Miles John said it in a post-fight interview. I mean, these websites are consistently updating their sites as the fights are going on. And in the middle of a post-fight interview, Miles John says his freaking coach, James Krause, was taken away at dinner and was not allowed to coach. And I was surprised looking at MMA Junkie, MMA Fighting, two sites I love. And I'm like, where the hell is the James Krause article? Because I'm looking for the James Krause article comment sections. I want to go check out the <laughs> comment sections. It was very suspect that that article wasn't on there. Days later, it was covered on those sites. Other sites immediately covered it, like Bloody Elbow, yeah. ESPN. I'm pretty sure it's on the front page of ESPN. So that was interesting. But it's a big story. It, it, it's an absolutely huge story. And, 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 you know, we'll see how time goes on. Yeah. You know, you had you had mentioned that part to me. And I think it was maybe it was Tuesday. That I saw Junkie had a story, which was a video for their, their uh, spinning back. uh uh, was it spinning back click or spinning back fist? It's basically where they have four of their um, their people, you know, talking about what's going on in MMA. And yeah, and, and I I don't even know if there has been anything in MMA fighting. It's, which I mean, look, raises a lot of questions on why yeah, that story is not up there. Is there a particular reason why it is? I mean, you're talking about the UFC's broadcast partner is the one who's been all over this story, which, which is uh, absolutely crazy. Uh, but man, this is going to be a story we'll see kind of how it plays out by the way before we move on to some of the things that have happened p- past couple weeks like i feel like this is in the wtf category daniel and we're going to go to conor mcgregor no we're not talking about uh, his uh uh former friend i guess we say at this point suing him for millions of dollars saying that he was a co-founder of of uh the proper 12 whiskey but conor mcgregor tweets I am clear for testing in February. I will complete my two tests per USADA and we are booking a fight. What the F hold on. So why won't you just get drug tested now? Uh, He's probably been eating out with Alistair Overeem. Okay. All right. Did you ever think glory was doing drug testing? (laughs) I think the drug testing isn't there. I just think it was super obvious. Like I think Overeem just like was walking and then he just something fell out of his pockets and they looked down and it was a vial that just said steroids. I think that's how he failed his drug test because yeah, I, I when it comes to when it comes to that, I, I just suspect the drug testing isn't there. But uh yeah, I mean look, it, it's crazy. I, I I don't understand how Connor doesn't realize this makes it looks like he's juicing and he's just waiting for it to get out of his system. But, um, that's a thing. We'll see. I mean, for some fighters, it works out for others. It doesn't for Connor at the end of the day. I don't care what he puts in his body. He's not going to go in there against some of these top lightweights and beat them. In my opinion, no way. Connor, no way. He's making one fifty five. Have you seen what he looks like now? No way. He makes one fifty five. Well, maybe Patty Pimblett can teach him how to lose 50 pounds in 24 hours or whatever the <laughs> hell. But, yeah, okay, you put him in there. Look, I mean, Connor versus Colby. I mean, Colby's going to beat the hell out of Connor. It's yes. it, it, The wrestling advantage is significant. Con- There's, Connor, the, you know the, what the fight is to make, right? Is it Connor versus Chemaev? No, no. Connor versus Mazadol. That's the fight to make. Like, yeah. that to me is the perfect fight. For both guys. No, that is, you're right. That is the perfect fight. That is the perfect fight. And um, 
I think the only other fight you can make is Connor versus Sean O'Malley. Come on, just go book it. You know, that's uh, that's got to be the fight to make. No, uh, Connor versus Masvidal is a great fight, Jason. You are you are very smart for suggesting that one. And I honestly, looking at both welterweight and lightweight, I don't know. The other fight to make would be Connor versus Nick Diaz. I don't know if that's something that Nick would be interested in, but it would be yeah. a whole lot of money. And I think a lot of people would watch Nick Diaz take on Conor McGregor. And that's a fight Conor would win, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, true or false, do we see Conor fight next year? True. Yeah, I think so, too. True. Here's here's my real question. Who fights first, Conor or John Jones? John Jones. It's been, what, three years since he left spot? That's crazy, bro. Well, they're they're targeting Jones versus either uh, Ngannou or Jones versus uh, Blades for the March pay per view. Can I just say, make the freaking Ngannou fight, make it. Well, you got to pay. Is the UFC going to give Ngannou what he wants financially? Pay the man. We see John Jones fight two times a decade now. Let's watch the dream fight. Curtis Blades is damn talented. He's hella good. John Jones versus Francis Ngannou is a fight I dream about. Mm-hmm. I don't go to bed and dream about John Jones and Curtis Blades. I've never dreamt about Curtis Blades. I've thought about a Curtis Blades fight when I need to go to sleep, but I've never dreamt about that fight. So, yeah, there's that. But, yeah, Conor Jorge, that's a pay-per-view if I've ever heard it, man. That's, that's a good one. By the way, speaking of drug tests, and, um, well, I, sh- I guess I- I'll put it like this, Daniel. No one cares about the story because all these fires have, have passed their drug tests. That, that's the way drug testing stories MMA work. No one cares when the tests come back clean. Uh, but uh, speaking of Mike Mazzulli earlier this week, uh, he let me know that uh, he did drug testing uh, last week in Chicago for the Bellator fight. Now, these fighters' drug tests have not come back yet. Vadim Nemkov, Corey Anderson, Usman Nurmagomedov, and Patricky Pitbull, he did tell me that um, Adam Piccolotti passed his drug test for his most recent fight. Also, he's done out of competition for Raytheon Stas, Danny Sabatello, and Patchy Mix. All those have come back clean. Daniel James was tested twice leading up to his fight against Tyrell Fortune. Maybe kind of the, the forgotten guy of last week going out there, what he did to Tyrell Fortune, defending off that choke and then getting the stoppage there at the end uh, or beginning of, of the second round. Also, uh, Magomed Magomedov, uh, who's going to be taking on Apache Mix, he has submitted an out-of-competition drug testing. Uh, that result has not come back yet. But, uh, you know, an example that drug testing is having Bellator, but um, when... Uh, all the tests come back clean. No one cares. No one cares. You know, even no one cares when it comes out positive. Like, remember when people cared about drug tests? Remember when people cared about testosterone replacement therapy? And now it's like, there, there are people who pop. And it, here's the thing. It's not about people not caring about drug tests. It's about the way we take in information. Now, it's just fast and furious. We could do a fun game where we talk about all the headlines that happened four weeks ago and be like, damn, I forgot about that. Damn, I forgot about that. It's one of those things where me mentioning Alistair Overeem popping is just a random side joke. But that would have been a huge story eight years ago. And maybe it's because Mm -hmm. at that point eight years ago, we were in the we were in the landscape of post Lance Armstrong 
post MLB steroid era. And, and that's why it was still a big deal. I mean, think about baseball. How big of a deal was it that Ryan Braun, when he popped, people had opinions about Ryan Braun. Mm-hmm. People kind of had opinions about Fernando Tatis this past year, but it wasn't as big of a deal. So I just feel like people care less, but I, I think it's a nice transition point to Bellator. And I tell you what, man, I look at this Bellator card. I'm like, damn, to start off this main card, some of the guys Bellator probably wanted to win did not win. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tyrell Fortune won round one against Daniel James, but James knocked him the heck, heck out. And then Roman Feraldo, uh, you know, there were some deficiencies in, in the well-rounded nature of his game that LeVon Chokeli took advantage of in, in that welterweight scrap. So I thought Roman and, and Tyrell were probably the two guys Bellator wanted to win to start off that main card, and they started off with some else. Yeah, I mean, you talk about Tyrell Fortune. He has a, a rear naked choke in, and, and I, I, it appeared like it was going to be over. And Daniel James able to get out of it, and he nearly if you if he had ten more seconds left in the opening round, he might have finished Fortune in that position because he was just landing. And then, of course, now look, I, I tweet about this. If I was Tyrell Fortune's camp. I would be making some complaints to the commission about some of those shots at the end of the fight because they were borderline back then. I mean, they they were they were in that illegal zone there. But you know, heading into that Bellator card, not not surprised happened the co-main event. You know, to me, it's Patricky just he needed to attack. He needed attack. He couldn't be a counter striker, and he was a counter striker. And just Usman Ramagmanov went out there and did what he needed to do. I, I, I remember in, in past conversations when I've had uh, Mike Hamill here on the show, uh, and Mike Hamill has fought Usman. And he had said to me, he goes, Look, when you're fighting Usman, you got to be in his face. You got to attack him. You can't let him lead the dance. If you let him lead the dance, he's going to go out there and do what he did against Patricky Pitbull. So give all the kudos to Usman Ramagamadoff. He went out there, no question, a one sided fight. You know, to me, Patricky Pitbull, man, you, you just got to sit there and, and be more aggressive. Um, I did see uh, one of Patricky's managers already came out and said that their plan is to be in that lightweight Grand Prix. In 2023, uh, Musayev has already come out and said he wants to fight Usman in the opening round of that tournament. But to me, I was just blown away with Vadim Nemkov. Goes down to ATT, spends the past couple weeks at ATT, working on his takedown defense. And not just a takedown defense, the leg kicks with chopping down the lead leg of Corey Anderson, man. Just a, a tremendous one. It, it was a one-sided fight. I mean, Corey Anderson, um, I, I want to say I scored one round for Corey Anderson. I want to say it was maybe the fourth round. But... Outside of that, it was just, I mean, Vadim Nemkov just went out there and did what he needed to do, and he looked great. Yeah, he did, man. Look, it was, uh, it was, it could have been a coronation for Corey Anderson as the best light heavyweight in the world, especially with the news we're going to talk about later with Prohaska. And it wasn't that. It was, it was Nemkov reasserting himself as the top light heavyweight in Bellator. He corrected his mistakes. It's a tough task to do what he did from a defensive wrestling standpoint against one of the best wrestlers at 205, Corey Anderson. And on the feet, Nemkov really neutralized Anderson, bro. I mean, he just he just he just did damage to his legs. And it's really fun watching Nemkov spinning strikes. He's got great fluidity and he's just a really talented striker. So Nemkov stood out as just a great light heavyweight. And now he is a part of that conversation in, in best light heavyweight in the world. Frankly, I would pick Nemkov to beat Jan Blahovic. The Yuri fight is an interesting question because of the injury to Yuri. 
I would pick Ankalaev actually to beat Nemkov. And Glover and Nemkov, boy, that's a close fight. So it's in flux. And now, really, the answer to the question is who is the best light heavyweight? The answer to that question is honestly, no one. No one is the best light heavyweight. It's going to be who in the next 12 months is going to grab that brass ring and assert themselves as the best 205 pounder in the world because there is no clear-cut answer. Some weight classes there is. At 205, we aren't sure, but we do know Nemkov deserves to be a part of that conversation. And Usman, well, he did Usman Nurmagomedov things. I don't think anyone's going to take that championship away from him until he has to vacate it when he goes somewhere else. Because I do think Usman is probably going to be a UFC fighter before it's all said and done. But maybe he won't be. I mean, maybe if Islam maintains that UFC championship, he'll be content to be the champion of Bellator. But his skill level is incredibly high. The skill level and talent of the premier fighters in that fight camp is unreal. Mm-hmm. That is that is a legendary fight camp that's going down there. That fight was born as hell, but the talent level of Usman, damn, he's he's going to run through a tournament. He really, I mean, Musayev's a great fight for him. It really is, and it's probably one of the most interesting things Bellator could do with him. But I, I just think he's leaps and in, in, in bounds better than most fighters. And I do, I, you know, I wonder if you threw him in the UFC, how many guys actually beat him at 155? You know, there, there's probably five or six, but. I think he would have success against, you know, Dan Hooker. I mean, imagine Usman versus Dan Hooker. I, I think Usman was that fight. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's just someone's got to push him. You know, I was just I was just going to pull up my Bellator rankings here because, you know, they obviously Scott Coker's revealed there's going to be a lightweight Grand Prix in 2023. I mean, I think there, there are some fires you can look at and say, okay, that fire is definitely going to be obviously Usman. Um, you know, to me, the interesting question is, is how many fi- do they go? Do they, they simply go with an eight man field or do they go a 16 man field? I would imagine it's going to be a, a, a eight man field. And, and I feel like it's, I think once you start getting probably into that seventh, eighth spot, that's where it becomes interesting. Like, okay. Does a, can they get AJ McKee to a new contract? AJ McKee, I think you got to put in the tournament. Yeah. Um, Shelby is another one you got to put in the tournament. I think you yep. got, even though it was not a great performance for, for Tricky Pitbull, I think you got to put Tricky Pitbull in that tournament. Yeah, he has enough cachet that deserves to be in there. Benson Henderson, yes. Brent Premis, yes. I mean, you see, like we're going, we're going down these numbers. Pretty and then, quickly. I mean, yeah, the the guy that would really turn the tournament inside out. And, and did you say Musayev? I did not, but obviously, oh, clearly, yeah. he would be, he would be yeah. the one, yes. And then, I mean, then you got to say, do you talk to Eddie Alvarez to put him in this tournament to to make this tournament, you know, stand out? Because I think that would be a perfect addition to the roster to really create some momentum for this lightweight tournament. How about Nate Diaz? Do you, do you try to get him in this tournament? You try, but you can't. There's Nate Diaz is not fighting on a show that's not on pay-per-view. He well, they, makes, they are going on CBS, though. That's true. That's true. I just don't know. The okay. I just, it, uh, look, cause someone asked me this question today. Cause Coco revealed they're only going to do three fights on that CBS show on February 4th. We know two of the three fights. You've got, uh, Fedor versus uh Bader, the rematch there for the heavyweight title. We also got Nemkov defending his title against Yoel Romero. 
I just thought of this fight just came off the top of my head. And this would be hashtag Woodwatch. What is it? Nate Diaz versus Michael Page. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Woodwatch. That'd be a great fight. That's that's just a great welterweight fight. I will so, say Loki. I would be super interested in Yamauchi versus Nate Diaz. But yeah, Page and, and Diaz. That's a great fight. So Whatever you do, pull- don't put- Go ahead. I just pulled up my lightweight rankings in Bellator. So if you told me this was only an eight-man field, if you put if, and if you say Asia McKee signs a new deal, he's got to be in. So right now I have him as the number eight challenger at one fifty-five. I would put him in over Islam Maidov, who I have, I have at number seven. Yeah. So technically, my eight-man field would be Usman Patriki. Usayev, Shalby, Outlaw, Primus, Henderson, McKee. It's a good little lightweight tournament. Obviously, it all depends on on the contract situation. Henry McKee, because he um, he'd have to sign a new deal with Bellator, which which I don't. Th- think this he is just. Do, this, I I think he's going to test test the waters and see what's out there. What would the UFC offer? I would imagine the PFL would come with the best financial offer. Hundred percent. I mean, they they present the opportunity to win a million dollars. You know, it is, but at 27 years of age, just now beginning to enter his prime, maybe it's time for AJ to make that jump to the UFC because that's where he can get his superstardom and his brand to just go to an absurd level. And I, I do think he's probably going to gonna wait it out and try and get out of his deal. Yeah. He sh- oh. he, you know? Yeah. It'd be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, you know, you mentioned about uh, the big news of yesterday was Yuri Prohoshka being revealed, uh, Dana White revealing in an interview with Kevin Ioli uh, that he's out of UFC 282 with a serious uh, shoulder injury that's going to take a, a long time for him to recover. So Jan versus Ankalaev will be for the interim title. Uh, Arahawani put out a video discussing how this thing played out where he said that uh, Glover, the UFC wanted Glover to take on Ankalaev. However, Glover wanted to take on Blahovich. And he did not want to take on Ankalaev on two weeks' notice. The UFC wanted the the vacant light heavyweight title fight on the December 10th show. Um, and Ariel said that Glover thought they would respect it since he was with the company so long. The UFC said no. And that was to Glover uh, fighting for the title in Brazil in January. And then Ariel tweeted that Jan Blachowicz, uh landed in Vegas minutes ago. He didn't have Wi-Fi on his plane. He just found out that he's now fighting for the belt December 10th. He tells me he had no idea until he t- turned his phone on. All this happened while he was in the air, which all I can think of is, boy, what did that notifications look like when he turned that phone on and was like, whoa. I mean, I, I, I would, that'd be my first question, Jan. All right, Jan, you open your phone up. How many notifications did you have? I'm sure his phone was malfunctioning because sometimes it does that whenever you turn it on and it gets, you know, hundreds of notifications. Look, um, this sucks. It really does, man. I hope Yuri recovers and it, it sucks to see him vacate this title. I don't I don't think he volunteered his championship as easily as the narrative goes, but I'm sure, you know, you know, they work together and, and he'll get that opportunity when he fights again. You got a feel for Glover. He has to wait. For the winner of this fight, probably depending on the timeline for Bohaska. I mean, we all know the formula for UFC on pay per view. We don't care who's fighting. We just need a gold belt on the line, and people are going to be dumb enough to buy it. That's the uh, UFC pay per view motto. 
And I tell you what, UFC 282, it's the first pay-per-view in a while that doesn't look that strong. I mean, Jared Gordon is in the co-main event. I know it's because he's fighting Patty Pimblett. <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. But Jared Gordon's in the co-main event. And it's a good card, right? Like, as a hardcore MMA fan, like especially those prelims, I'm like, damn, Raul Rosas back <laughs> at it. Darren Till and Drikas Duplices. Bryce Mitchell and Ilya Teporia. Santiago and Lawler. That's a good fight card, but... UFC 282 is a pay-per-view that I will not be enthused about buying. Ankalaev Yan, maybe for a light heavyweight championship, but it won't be determining the top light heavyweight in the world. These are two hella great fighters, but um, without Yuri in the picture, we won't get our answer on who's the best fighter at the weight class. I would say this. I mean, obviously, um, you know, interested in, in light heavyweight title fight, that's got to be your number one fight on that card. You know, I, I know that obviously Patty Pimblett has the potential to be a massive star, but if you told me in terms of fight quality, what I think my number two fight on UFC 282 is, I go to that featherweight match between uh, Mitchell and Taporia. Yeah, I think that's a good one. I think those are going to provide some great scrambles and great activity. I would say that Lawler Santiago stands out to me as the fight of the night on that fight card. I just feel like that's going to be a barn burner. Yeah. And I'll still watch it. It, it. It's a good fight card, but I will certainly say it's going to probably be one of the weaker pay-per-views we get in a while. And a lot of it isn't the UFC's fault. It's it's the it's the injury bug. I mean, you lose your top fight. You know, Bo Nickel was supposed to be on this card as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's, that's not the case. But, yeah, you know, sad news. All I can hope is Yuri recovers and he's able to fight like he once was and we don't have any what-ifs when it comes to him. By the way, I uh, was looking at UFC Orlando tickets last night. You went two tickets, Daniel. Cheapest ticket to get in the building, $215. Dude, that's crazy. I mean, Stephen Thompson, Kevin Holland's a great fight, but my girlfriend spent less money buying her Taylor Swift tickets, and I'm not exaggerating, by like twofold. Spent like $80 to watch the most popular act in the country. That, that That's it? Yes, because those nosebleed tickets aren't marked up. Because, like, the way that the way oh, it works. I, 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 look, I, I've, I've, seen, I've seen people I know on my Facebook timeline talking about the, the battles to get those Taylor Swift uh, tickets. Like, I, when she comes to Tampa, she's playing Raymond James Stadium. So, I mean, it's, you know, they're probably putting 70,000 70, people in the, in the, in the stadium. Um, but I would have thought a cheap, a cheap ticket, just to get in the building, I would have thought been at least 100 at minimum. Yeah, well, on the on the resale market, it's a lot more, but it, it it I think it's one of those things where some artists make their tickets a little more affordable, like uh, Ed Sheeran and, and even Taylor Swift, for example. You know, it's still expensive, but when you take into account the supply and demand for her concert, it's kind of crazy. Like, I don't know who put it out there, but I think it was Ticketmaster. Ticketmaster. I think they basically said in order for her to sell every ticket that people were interested in, she would have to perform for like two and a half straight years every single day. <laughs> there just aren't enough seats saying, yeah. available. But but yeah, my girlfriend was a part of that um you know, that pre sale group and okay. she was on her phone all day trying to get locked in. And eventually after like six hours, she she was able to get her ability to purchase tickets. And even though the tickets were pricey, the 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 price of those tickets weren't too bad because she was buying them firsthand. But yeah, it was like eighty dollars for the the crappy seats. But uh, yeah, man, 
I mean, it was much more expensive. I mean, I, I know someone who got really good, like, I want to say floor seats. And I feel like she told me it was like $800 a pop. Maybe, maybe more, but I feel like that's what she told me. Like, for some reason, in my in my head, I'm thinking of the number 3000 because she bought two tickets, so maybe it's $1,500, but... Yeah. Anyways, uh, Look, needless I, I, to say, needless to say, I know you will not be in the building for the Orlando show. No, I mean, I, I would love to go to it, but I mean, they're just, I mean, I mean, because it's not, like, first off, then I got to get a hotel in Orlando. It, it just, it, it adds all up. And, you know, cause like last night I, I tweeted out um, a screenshot of these tickets and, and one of my followers, uh, he tweeted at me, says, he goes, I've been to 10 to 12 UFCs. The last one I went to was 2008 Barboza versus Kevin Lee in Atlantic city. The price was about 180 a ticket. It was a throwaway fight night, great fights, but the UFC is way overpriced and there are uh, very few good seats to actually watch the fights. Um, you know, and basically I respond to him basically saying, I wonder how much of uh, fight night cars not being in front of fans plays into these ticket prices, especially on, on the secondary market. And he responded to me saying, you know, possibly by surprise it was 180 at the time because uh, before then, mid-level tickets were about 400 Now, mid-level tickets are about 500 I mean, going to UFCs, since Zufa purchased them, they've been overpriced probably for the last 15 years, not worth the price. Uh, and that was from at See You Soon Boy. Um, which, by the way, if you tweet at me, good chance you might get on this podcast. <laughs> but it, it's one of those things of, like, I sat there and, you know, and, and two of my buddies, we were interested in going. It, it just... The price point for me was like, man, you know, am I ready to essentially, I mean, let's be honest about, it, you know, I, I don't want to sit in those bleeds first off. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a, let me, I, I'm more of put me in the club level, put me in the hundred level. And like, I think the cheapest a hundred level ticket I saw was like 500 bucks. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Let me just, since it was going to be three of us, the cheapest hundred level ticket Four hundred and thirteen dollars a piece. I would only feel comfortable paying that price for a premium product. I would only feel comfortable paying that price for a pay per view fight. That is crazy. For Dude, there's a okay. So section one hundred six, which essentially be kind of in the basically the, just off the center of the ring, one thousand sixty one dollars for row six. Section 106. Crazy. But also, like, maybe that's just another sign of how hot the UFC is right now. No, I don't think so. I don't think so, bro. I, the UFC's hot, but it's not, I mean, that's overpriced. It's as simple as that. I don't care if you put Derek Lewis and Sergey Spivak on that card. $1,000 for a ticket like that for a show like that. I mean, bro. That's outrageous. Inflation in this country is real, but it's not that high. I mean, damn. I mean, I, mean, I think the, we up? both know this. It is. I don't know if there's a nut. I'm sure there is, but it just feels like being a combat sports fan that we are just nickel and dying for every dollar we have. And, and it, it does become a point where you're just like, look, I just got my property tax bill in. Whew. Yeah, but hey, man, that and you know, and, and and I'm telling you this, um, I, I've learned this, um, I've known this for a while, but really learned this <laughs> just because of recent vet bills are not cheap, and um, 
I don't envy a vet when he has to make calls and he has to start going down options. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, he, and then, you know, it, it's, it's, it's been a rough couple of days here in the Floyd household. Um, when the vet goes, we need to see how this goes. And then we'll start doing tests for the C word. Jeez. Yeah. I, I, I and, and my vet was, tremendous about it like the way he delivered news but i'm like this has to be the worst part of his job is you're on the phone and you're he's he's telling me what's happened with with my 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 pup who's 10 years old and he's like it could be this it could be this or it could be the c word and it's one of these things daniel like i'm trying to keep a positive mentality on it man it's tough it's tough yeah, man, it's there's no there's no way around it. There's no like, damn, like like that's a real life situation, and unfortunately, we all go through it. And for the you know for the doctor, he's probably having that conversation every single day, and it, it's be it, it's mind boggling that people go into that field. I'm so grateful and thankful, but it's like wow, those. People are so strong and it's unbelievable. Uh-huh. And the, the grace and, and the way that they're able to communicate and, you know, God, you know, hopefully that's not the case for your pup. But I mean, I can't even imagine. I mean, you know, we all love our animals so much. And sometimes I just look at my dog and I'm just like, damn, time goes by too quick. I remember when you were a puppy and now you're limping. What the hell? <laughs> it's so sad. But you know, it, the other the, the flip side is you know, it, it teaches you to really appreciate every second you got with whoever or whomever, especially around this time. I mean, people are probably listening to this after Thanksgiving, but you know, if, if you happen to somehow catch us before a big meal with your family, you know, just take a look around and really enjoy that moment. You know, get off the phone if you can when you're around the family because you know. We're around our family less and less and less as time goes on and, and whatnot. And uh, that to me is kind of what the holidays mean. It's just kind of really valuing that time because that's the only thing we can't get back. I will tell you this. This might be a hot take. Yeah. Turkey, highly overrated. Yeah, bro. That's how my girlfriend's looking at my DMs. I, t- I posted about that on my Instagram story about how turkey sucks and we should eat chicken wings. And then she slid in my DMs. And then, you know, we've been dating for hold four hold years. Hold. She slid a DM. She just said, text you, Daniel. What are you talking about? No. Uh, I, yeah, I think so. I think she was team turkey, which is, I'm, which I'm, is a red I'm, flag. No, turkey okay. sucks. All right. I can go for a smoked turkey. Yeah. Look, look, I can go for any kind of turkey. I'm a fat ass. I know anything, but it's like when you power rank turkey versus steak, it's not even close. It's like putting yeah. up Francis and Ganu versus, you know, Demetrius Johnson, you know, and Ganu's going to win that fight. Uh, a fried turkey sounds great. I will say, why hasn't anybody invented turkey wings? Like, why is that not a thing? Why can't I go to Thanksgiving? They, they, those exist. Oh, well, I, I would like to eat turkey wings. I would like to eat them like in a buffalo chicken wing format. But it's turkey, and I want lemon pepper sauce. <laughs> okay. All right. For me, today, my number one option is not till dessert. It is pumpkin pie. Wow. With whipped cream? Pretty good, huh? No, no, no. 
No whipped cream. Oh, just just give me the straight up pie. Yeah. Damn. Look, man. First off, pumpkin pie is delicious. Pecan pie is better. Um, I will, I'm not. I'm not a pecan pie. I'm, I'm not. I'm not big on pecans or pecan. I guess it depends on how you like to say it. That's true. I'm not a big nuts man, but I do like the the fiddling inside the 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 pie. The filling inside the pie makes up for the nuts. I will say my favorite dish at Thanksgiving is the macaroni and cheese. My aunt makes a mean, mean macaroni and cheese dish, and that is delicious. Um, you know, and hey, if you know, last night I worked the Vipers game. If you're curious, J- Jaleel Okafor came down. He's playing for the Mexico City Capitans, the former number two or three oh. overall pick. Yeah, okay. he performed really well, and he was asked in the post game interview what his favorite dish was. And he said, sweet potatoes. But yeah, it was kind of weird to see, uh, Jaleel Okafor, you know, I'm like, damn, I remember him. Damn. That draft class was pretty bad. I remember when I thought that was going to be a really good draft class. And that was just not the case. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and- like, look for me, it's a two family holiday. So, uh, so we're this, right now as we're doing the show, it's nine thirty-seven AM East coast time, eight thirty-seven down in the Rio Grande where, where Daniel's at. So at noon, I go to my wife's uh, parents' house. And then about three o'clock, we'll head to my parents' house, and then we'll get home around uh, probably around six, seven o'clock tonight. And then you're probably gonna go to sleep at seven thirty because you were gonna be stuck. My my question is, what is Derek Lewis doing today? You know, how's he feeling? How is the Black Beast feeling? You know, I, I feel like you know I'm gonna like like what's going on with Derek Lewis, bro? Like this is crazy. Yeah. So I remember. They, Early, early, like right as like the fights were starting, there was some rumblings out of Vegas that, um, you know, the pay, the the main event was in danger, and then of course ultimately comes out. Uh, Brent Fitzgerald announces that it's a non-COVID related illness with Derek Lewis. Uh, you know, unfortunate situation uh, for him, and uh, kind of like I feel like that that story was completely overshadowed uh, because of the James Krause situation. We'll see if uh, they rebook that matchup. You know, I mean, the UFC, it seems like they're now booking fights into March. Um, you got to match. They probably want to have that, you know, I mean, hell, and maybe add that. Maybe if Derek Lewis is okay, maybe that that's the fight that gets added to UFC 282 to give it a little yeah, boost. Yeah, because there, it's been real vague about what exactly it is. We don't know how serious it I mean, obviously it was serious, but we don't know if this was a situation that's going to cause Derek to not fight for months or if he can go right back in. I mean, there were reports coming out that he wanted to still fight. So maybe it's not. Yeah, I know. Not shocking. We know his attitude, but we don't know. All I've read is stomach issues. That could be anything. That could be food poisoning. Yeah. For instance, it could be something more serious. You know, sometimes I have stomach issues when I have chicken wings and pasta the night after. I'm not able to perform at my job for the first an hour and a half. I'm yeah, I mean toilet. that. I mean, I mean, look, that could also be a situation where he just uh, the rehydration process after he weighed in. He might have just done it yeah. wrong. We need to talk to the one FC fighters about rehydration because they really nailed that deal. Um, by the way, if if you want a trivia question down the line five years from now. What is the uh, the only three-round main event in the past 10 years in the UFC? Just don't forget, it was Ian Kutulaba and Kennedy Sachuku. That will probably be a trivia question. I will say quick hitters on the UFC card. Just just, just so we get on the record before we move on to the PFL, uh, I'll say a few things. One, Jack Della Madalana. Oh, my Ooh. God, this guy's really good. Ooh, he destroyed Danny Roberts. That was – he is just one hell of a striker. 
Uh, Vanessa Demopoulos looked really good against Maria Oliveira. Good fight. And there was a pair of good fights. Ricky Tercios and Kevin Nativad was a freaking great fight. Charles Johnson and Zaga Zumagalov was a crazy weird fight. We had like five different illegal yeah. strikes. There was a point in time where Johnson's leg wasn't working and Zaga's was nice enough not to destroy him, just let him kind of recover. <laughs> um, so that was really wild. And then I guess the only other thing I'll mention is uh, Muslim Salikov, really good kicker, kicked the hell out of Andre Filo and got the win. But uh, I will say it was a pretty uh, anticlimactic card when it came to the actual fights that we saw. It just wasn't a lot of meat on that turkey leg. Yeah, no, no question about it. Let me ask you this about the PFO World Championships, of course. Uh, tomorrow night, prelims, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time, ESPN Plus, main card on pay-per-view at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. I feel like if I asked fans, would your opinion of this fight card be different if it was on ESPN Plus or ESPN TV? I feel like the feeling for this fight card would be different, but because the fact of it's on pay-per-view, I... My perception is a matter is that a lot of MMA fans are just like, uh, I'll, I'll see what the results are after a fact. Yeah, especially because you're they're going to get a fight card on ESPN Plus that is similar to the normal PFL product. If you tune into the prelims, you're going to get five good fights. That's a good fight card. I'm a little upset. I'm like, really, Marlon isn't on pay-per-view? Damn it. I, I, I but, would say uh, this right now. I understand why they put Aspen Ladd on the pay-per-view. Because I think that they are going to, I think their hope is that Lag gets that win, then they can potentially set up a matchup against her versus Kayla Harrison, saying Kayla Harrison wins in the main event of this fight card. But yeah, to me, from a stylistic matchup, I would have Marmor Race versus Shaman Race um, kick off the pay per view. Now, look, it's a seven fight pay per view. We got six title fights. I was thinking about that last night. Um, as I was going to bed, I was like, fuck. Oh my god, we're gonna have twenty-five minute fights, and, and all. And we know about their pacing, bro. We know about PFL's pacing. It is god yeah. awful. Maybe it'll be different on pay per view. Maybe it'll be more of a priority that there's seven freaking fights. But all I gotta say is I should change it to make the championship fights three rounds. Like I don't need to see five. I don't need to see these tournament finals go twenty-five minutes. And yeah, that it could be bad. We're gonna see some of these twenty-five minute fights. I think. I mean. Um, look again, the prelims are really good. If you need to get your MMA, uh, you know, watch some MMA this weekend, the, 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 the prelims are worth the watch. There, there's some good fights. Dakota Decheva's a really good women's flyweight. Nathan Schulte and Jeremy Stevens is a good fight. T-Bow Magomed Karamov and the Marais fight is awesome. But once again, just got to reiterate $50 is a crime. The is crazy. But there are fights that I'm interested in. I'm interested in Brandon Lonane and Bubba Jenkins. Will that fight be boring? Well, it depends on who wins. But the <laughs> idea the idea of who wins is interesting. And I, I was like, man, you got to feel good for Bubba Jenkins. This guy, major prospect when he debuted in this sport. Major mm-hmm. prospect. And unfortunately, he did not live up to expectations. It's not the first time. It's not the last time. A high-level collegiate wrestler goes in and debuts, performs well, and then gets upset. He got upset by LaRue Burley early on in his career. But Bubba Jenkins is a fighter who's only lost back-to-back fights one time in his career. And it's nice to see that he has continued to be resilient and he has an opportunity to win the the million dollars. So that's nice to see. 
The other thing I'll say is that the PFL has done a nice job of, they have a nice little YouTube series that is very similar to the UFC Embedded that they've been putting out this week, and they have done a good job with that. Still, I think this will be a, a disastrous pay-per-view buy rate, and this may be a very critical point in the history of the PFL where if this is a bad buy rate, how do you explain that to investors? Because this could be a bad come to Jesus moment. Yeah, I uh I mean look, it's tomorrow night, am I gonna be watching the PFL? I'm not. That and it's and look, it's for me it is all about the fact of I'm watching Florida State Florida. The game's at seven thirty and the reality is that you know, that game will probably end midnight. 1130. I mean, college football games last forever. I mean, let's just be honest about it. it they last forever. I mean, a college football game, if, if it's over in three hours and 15 minutes, that's a quick game, you know, but I, I expect that the fact that it's the only college game on tomorrow night, I was expecting it's probably going to last a while. So I'm going to be watching that. I may be out, out with the fellas, you know, um, we're all four state and Florida fans. So there's going to be some lively, you know, trash talk going back and forth. And I haven't seen any place locally promote that they'll have the PFL pay-per-view and, and Mike and look I'm in the bar industry would would I buy the PFL pay-per-view for uh, our our places no I wouldn't because people don't yeah. come in or request like we have the regular PFL fights on um I will say this the Laughlin Jenkins fight is the fight that interests me the most on that fight card yeah I mean now yeah. look and, and you bring up a great point if Bubba Jenkins wins this fight to me that means he wrestled effed Brennan Laughlin for 25 minutes yeah, and and no, you know that's got to be the strategy. Brendan's definitely going to probably have the stand up advantage. Rob you know? Wilkinson has, has you know, he's done some damage to PFL. That's interesting, but obviously this car was built around Kayla Harrison, and Kayla Harrison was on the MMA Hour this uh, yesterday. And if you did not see this interview, it's a really fascinating interview. It's like I want to say it's like a thirty-seven minute interview. Um, the first part of it. Uh, Arrow asked a question about asking, you know, for her to describe what the last year has been like. And, and I think from the outside looking in, we first think about the contract, you know, situation where, you know, she signs a, an offer sheet with Bellator. PFL ends up matching the deal. She goes back to PFL. And she mentioned about that she did not go into details, but mentioned about there were some health situations over the last year. She said she was clearly getting emotional about it, but did not want to go into detail. So you got to uh, honor her wishes in terms of that. Um, the two things that really, uh, there were three things that stuck out to me about this interview in relation to her MMA career. The first thing was on her contract situation. And she said this, well, I have two more fights left on my contract with the PFL after Friday. I have two more fights. I think the contract ends sometime in 2023. It ends immediately. So there's no matching, no restriction, no 30 days, nothing. Holy cow, Daniel. PFL matches a Bellator deal and her contract now says they can't match any offers she gets. Hey, PFL, enjoy Kayla Harrison for next three fights because clearly she is. See you later, amigo. Wait, so she's got three fights left or two? Two, two fights, fights after, after this. After, so currently three fights. So two fights left after this fight against Pacheco. When you tell me that the PFL agrees to her having no, that they have no matching rights She's gone in, in, in 2024. She's not fighting in the PFL. 
She yeah. is fighting in the UFC or Bellator, one of the two. Yeah, it's big news. It, it is. And, and I do think you're right. I um, That's something I wasn't aware of, how many fights she had left on her deal. And then the biggest news is the lack of matching rights because now she has that freedom to actually choose where she wants to go. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's a major grass is greener on the other side situation. Kayla has climbed to the mountain several times in the PFL. In the interview with Ariel, she mentioned she's not getting pay-per-view points. I'm sure that's upset her. There were some comments she mentioned that's kind of critical of the, the, the pay-per-view, and I should probably look them up because it's crazy when one of your headliners, the, the yeah. most marketable person on the show, is saying things like, uh, let me let me pull up the quote she said. I, I, I got, the, I got the quote you're talking about. Yeah. So Ariel, his question start off with asking her about the price point. She pauses and doesn't even talk about it. So you could tell that there was some frustration that probably inside she's sitting there going, this price point's too high. That's just my perception. She didn't say that, but the fact she wouldn't answer the question leads to my perceptions. But uh, this was her quote about uh, the PFL pay-per-view and, and in relation to the price point that Ariel, the question that Ariel had asked. She goes, I'm annoyed slightly. No cut of the pay-per-view. Obviously, I'm not a member of the board or a decision maker. But what does Cyborg keep saying? Let's see if she sells pay-per-view. So from a personal standpoint, it's a little frustrating to me that they make the first pay-per-view fight a fight that I've already had twice, and they only gave it a month to sell. I would like to promote it better. And she goes on this interview or further quote was saying, I wish that they would have announced this pay-per-view at the beginning of the season. And then they would have had multiple months to sell this pay-per-view. I mean, look, what was it a week ago, two weeks ago, we found what the price point of this pay-per-view is going to be. I mean, look, it's going to be a tough sell to the hardcore mixed martial arts fan who just spent $80 to watch UFC 281. Now you're asking him two weeks later to spend 50 plus dollars because we both know that you're probably going to pay upwards of $10 in taxes. And then two weeks later, you're asking fans to buy UFC 282. So I think that's where probably she's coming from, but you could see that there was a little frustration on point. That's why when we started this conversation, the PFL, I said, if this fight covers on ESPN, ESPN two or ESPN plus, I feel like, the perception of this fight card would be different in the MMA community to where we're at now, where you're asking fans to fork over $50 to watch this fight card. Look, when Jedi Goodman has a tweet that says, Kayla Harrison says she doesn't get a cut of the pay-per-view, talks why she is annoyed the fight is on pay-per-view. When... The number one draw is annoyed that her fight is on pay-per-view. You probably are not going to do big business. When the lead-up from the number one fighter on your card is primarily negative and sour on the fact this is on pay-per-view, that lets you know your fight card should not be on pay-per-view. That lets you know you have overpriced your pay-per-view. The fact that you didn't announce your pay-per-view price point until a week before is shady as hell. This is going to do awful. This is going to do really, really bad. We probably won't figure it out. 
Bob Iger is probably going to be the new uh, return CEO at Disney's and be like, damn, what the hell is this PFL nonsense? What's going on here? 5,000 buys? What the hell? Uh, I don't know how many buys is going to do. This is going to do really bad. Your main eventer doesn't feel good about it being on pay-per-view. This is going to be a good little fight card. I'm going to purchase it. I'm going to watch it. We'll talk about it. Larissa Pacheco against Kayla Harrison is a fight we've seen twice. I will say Larissa Pacheco is a very talented fighter. You know, can she pull off the upset? I don't think so, but she has serious tools. I will say it would be kind of fitting for this pay-per-view if Larissa Pacheco wins. So I'm going to say Larissa Pacheco upsets Kayla Harrison. I'm going to say that happens. The reason being is not any kind of like analysis. (laughs) It's it's, it's only reading the tea leaves of what the universe is telling me. Yeah. And the universe is telling me the cash cow of the PFL is going to somehow get upset by Larissa Pacheco. So that's my bold prediction. I think Pacheco pulls off the upset. Well, I don't, I'm not with you on that one. I mean, look, (laughs) the, the entire question mark you do have on Kayla Harris, when we're talking about it from a fight aspect is, what happens if her opponent, and in this particular uh, equation, Alyssa Pacheco, can keep the fight on the feet? She can stop the judo and the grappling of Kayla Harrison. That that's always going to be, you know, it, it kind of goes back to, I mean, go back to, you know, when Ronda Rousey was a UFC women's bantamweight champion. That was the question with her: is what would happen if a fighter is able to keep it up on the feet? And of course, we saw that. In the Holly Holm matchup, we saw that in the Man Nunez matchup where, you know, she got, you know, she got knocked out, you know, because she couldn't keep the fight. She could not get it to the ground. That to me is a question mark. Now, the other comment that uh, was interesting to me on Kayla Harrison is, look, we, we all know how PFL has marketed Kayla Harrison. I don't blame them for the way they've marketed her. I get it. You know, calling her the best female fighter in the world, da, 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 da. But this was her quote about, uh, you know, talking about, you know, her place uh, in women's MMA. And she goes, quote, there are multiple paths to greatness, uh, but I'm not there yet. I haven't been given the opportunity yet. I haven't proven it, but I believe I'm ready. I believe I can beat everybody. And I love hearing that from Kayla Harrison. She's sitting there and, and in the interview, she's like, yeah, my resume doesn't speak that I'm the greatest female fighter in the world. That's where she wants to get to. But clearly she knows she can't do that in the PFL. And she admitted in this interview, like, it's a lose-lose situation for her in this matchup because she can go out there, dominate Larissa Pacheco. But what happens at this, this pay-per-view bombs? You know, like, that's why, to me, it would be interesting. If you were in that those PFL offices, like, what is their goal with this pay-per-view? Like if like if I sat there and said seventy five thousand paper units sold over under, how many people would take the over? I feel like there wouldn't be a lot. It's a hard under. I can't imagine seventy five thousand people in the world being like, I need to spend fifty dollars okay. on this. Is fifty thousand a more interesting number? Yeah, it's a more realistic number, but I, mean, like, I look, still actually think it would go under. I hope this thing sells six figures. I really do because not only will it be great for the fighters on this card, but it would be great for the PFL in giving us more options, or I should say fires more options to where the ability to make more money. 
But like when I think about the PFL, when they announced that they were going to do pay-per-view months ago, that this was kind of the next stage for them, I would not have thought this would be the fight card you would make your debut on. I would have yep. thought that when you think about some of the bigger names that they have brought in over the past year or two, that it would be a fight card riddled with those names as a way to entice fans to watch it. I mean, like, look, I think Kayla Harrison is a great fighter. Time is going to tell whether or not she goes down as the greatest female fighter of all time. Right now, she's not there, and it's just based on resume. Skill-wise, do I think she compete with the best in the world? Yes, I do. I, I truly do believe if she had the ability to fight the best in the world, she would she would fare well. But right now, we just don't know it. And for Larissa Pacheco, I mean, this is I mean, th- this is potentially a life changing moment for her. You know, you go out there and knock Kayla Harrison out. Not only do you win that a million dollar check, now you set up the fourth fight. And, oh, yeah. and and for Kayla Harrison, like, I, I mean, I, okay, she can increase her her bank account. Okay, that's that's the biggest win with this one. But like, she can go out there and dominate Russ Pacheco. But like I said, if this thing bombs on pay per view, it hurts her in the long run. Yeah, and I think it will bomb on pay per view. You know, like I wouldn't be surprised if this does like twenty five thousand buys. I really feel like it's around that number. I it just it just I don't know who's watching this, but um, you know I I will be one of them. So there you go. But uh, yeah, when I look at this card, I'm like, look, I'm picking the upset. I don't know how it's gonna happen. Maybe a Larissa locks on a guillotine choke when uh, Kayla leaves her head in there. Oh, but no. I'm picking Pacheco. Uh-huh. All right, let me. Just, I'm pulling best fight odds. Let, let's see if there is a Pacheco via submission prop out there. I'm going Pacheco guillotine choke round two. Sixteen to one. All right. Look, I will say when you look at best fight odds, there's two underdogs I really like. One of them is Bubba Jenkins. It's surprising to me that he's the underdog against Brendan Lochnane. I just think he's going to wrestle F him. And then Julia Budd as an underdog against Aspen Ladd is something I like here. I mean, Aspen Ladd to me has kind of all been all over the place recently. A lot of chaos around her when it comes to making fights because of weight, her performances, etc. Julia Budd, very consistent and a very underrated fighter who's been undervalued over time. And I think there's, a, I mean, similar to that Jennifer Maya pick I had last week against Marina Monroe, it's, it's a similar situation. I, I like Julia to, to pull off the upset. And, man, you could even talk me into Stevie Ray against Aubin Mercier, but I mean, I'm still picking Olivier. He looks really good in that tournament. Yeah, I mean, when I was looking at underdogs and, and just um, I'm looking at the, the DraftKings lines here, um, Stevie Ray was one that stuck out to me at plus new 295. We're in 2022. Jeremy Stevens is a plus 330 underdog against Natan Schultz. Glyson Tebow is a almost a four to one betting underdog against Magomed, uh, Magomed Karamov, which really shouldn't be a surprise. Magomed Karamov is a extremely talented fighter. Um, yeah, I would say, like, I, you know, Rob Wilkinson, I mentioned this earlier, I think he's looked great, um, since uh, moving up to 205 pounds. Yeah, I mean. Harrison approaching a seven-one betting favorite. If you're you're in a state where you can place a wager, uh, I would be more looking at the props of, of Harrison wins via TKO KO plus one hundred and fifty. Uh, Harrison wins via submission plus two twenty-five. I mean, hell, even Pacheco wins via TKO KO is plus one thousand. Um, so you could double your odds. I mean, Pacheco plus five hundred. Um, I mean, look, I, I don't, I don't think this fight. I mean. I mean let me see here. 
Look at your unders. I mean, I'd almost take the under two and a half rounds at minus 127. Um, hell, the under one and a half rounds is plus 145. I just, look, I, I think Kayla's going to go out there and, and do what she does. I think she'll be able to take this one to the ground. Um, but, I mean, look, as a fight fan, tell me when Kayla Harrison's fighting Chris Cyborg. Tell me when Kayla Harrison's coming to the UFC to fight Amanda Nunez. Yep. We've seen her do this fight Pacheco twice. She's mentioned it. You know, I will say the under one and a half is risky. I mean, the last time they fought, they went 25. And then the time before that, they went 15. You know, I think this probably will go the distance as well. But if you're feeling a little frisky, I mean, maybe Kayla wants to make a statement and, and get that finish with the ground and pound. Yeah, I mean, Kayla did say that she thinks the risk Pacheco would beat Chris Cyborg. I was like, okay, I guess you're doing it here. I don't know. I can't get on board with that one. Yeah, I wouldn't pick Larissa, but again, Larissa's good. Like, she's a very good fighter. I mean, she's 28 years old. Think about all she's accomplished, and she's now just theoretically entering her prime. She's a damn good fighter. And maybe she'll be UFC bound. There's a difference in game between her and Cyborg. There's a difference in game between her and Kayla and the best fighters. But Larissa has clearly established herself as the second best fighter in the PFL and it's not even close. <laughs> Bro, I just I feel like you want to be you just want to have Chris Cyborg's Twitter up during that fight. Yeah. Cuz mm-hmm. that could that could be really interesting. Um I mean and, and Kayla made a great point and it's a very realistic point. You know, what 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 are the markable wins that Chris Cyborg has? We know the markable wins that Man Nunez has and it's not wrong like you know, like Ariel brings up Gina Carano. It's like, okay, come on, man. That that was 2009. We, I, if we're talking Gina Carano as a markable win for, for Chris Cyborg in terms of her legacy of being the greatest women's fighter and, and all the time, I, I, it's tough for me to take you serious. Holly Holm, to me, is probably the best win. Yeah, Holly Holm, the wins over Marlis Kunin were really good at the time. And it's, it's, it's a name that people maybe forget. But at the time, Kunin and Cyborg were the best two fighters in the weight class. But yes, like more modern times, Holly Holm, and then it's a pretty big drop off, right? Like the number two most impressive win is probably either Julia Budd or Leslie Smith. And that speaks to the quality of wins there. And and, and look, and that's the problem we've talked about with Bellator. It's like, what, what fight do you put on that gets people excited? Like if you were, you know, if you were going to do say a Michael Page fight on that CBS card, then I think Cyborg versus Kat Zingano makes the most sense in the world. Mm-hmm. I agree, especially if you want to build Cyborg for that pay-per-view fight against Kayla. I, I think that's the fight to make. It's yeah, then I saw um, Cyborg is going to be, she's going to have another boxing matchup. It's coming on the undercard. Terrence Crawford has a um, a pay-per-view fight coming up. Is he fighting, um, did that fight against Spence get canceled, or is he fighting Spence? Um, I saw it the other day. Oh, yeah, he's taking on, you're right, he's taking on a guy named Avin. Nisayan and Chris Cyborg is set for that fight card. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, what you think boxing give, give us a fight we want to see? No. Oh, you think so? You think? Uh, no, I mean, like, like the, I grew up on the Sweet Silence, man. I, I grew up on it, but like the, the one knock I always have for boxing is you don't give us the fights when we want to see it. We it, yeah. it, it just takes a long time for us to get to the fights we want to see. Yeah, we saw Floyd versus Manny Pacquiao eight years too late. 
And somehow and, Floyd and is now Floyd is just taking all these uh, exhibition fights. Yeah, he's basically doing live rounds for seminars. He was like, I'm going to go to Japan and just destroy this guy. And I'm going to beat up this YouTuber here. And we'll probably do this for about five more years. Yeah. I mean, I just I just pulled up uh, ESPN Boxing. Did you know Tyson Fury fights next Saturday? No. I thought he retired. Uh, no, he, he's uh, he's defending his uh, linear and w, WBC heavyweight title. Uh, let's look at some other ones that Terrence Crawford just mentioned about that one. Uh, Jamel Charlo fights in in a January, but yeah, it's just yeah. yeah Terrence Fury, Crawford's, Fury, uh, who, Crawford's a great who's, fight. Who's Fury taking on Usyk? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, Derek uh, Chisaro. Chisaro, I already pronounce it. He's taking on Chisaro. Yeah. God, what a waste of a fight. I mean, Chisaro's fine, but Jesus. Sucks. That, uh, that's always. Been, yeah. I mean, like, like, and but that is the one thing that I think when we talk about mixed martial arts, for the most part, we get the fights we want to see in a timely manner. I mean, obviously, there there's examples where you say the UFC was unable to make the fight that the fans want to see, but for the most part, we see the fights we want to see. Yeah, the only few times it's happened is John Jones and Ganu. Kayla Harrison versus Chris Cyborg, right? The Kayla Harrison story reminds me of boxing. Anderson GSP. Oh, it's a big one. That is really Fedor coming to the UFC. Yeah, Fedor versus anybody in the UFC. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a few more. Well, I mean, like that—that's like that to me is kind of like one of the biggest what ifs. What if the UFC would have been able to make Lesnar pre-injury versus Fedor? That belongs on a pride card, bro. I don't know. That that that's a pride <laughs> fight though. That's such a pride fight. That would have been just amazing. And that's that's <clears throat> what if. Yeah, I mean like but it it's it's a rarity we have those what ifs in MMA. And and I think that's what's really helped gravitate the sport of mixed martial arts for people to get as excited as they do is because for the most part, we get the fights that we want to see. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. so, but uh, we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the podcast. Uh, I'm not sure if there'll be a Sunday edition of the podcast. Uh, you gotta see if I can line up some interviews. Uh, I've been, been out of town the past couple of days, so kind of uh, getting back in, into the groove here. So, uh, there may not be a show, we will have a show uh, next week. Of course, uh, next week we'll we'll take a look back at what, what happens. To PFL show, we'll see if Daniel looks smart or whether he looks like an idiot. Yeah, uh, with, that was a scrub it. With his BFL prediction, of course, uh, we'll preview UFC Orlando coming up next week. And uh, like Daniel says, beginning of the show, like we sit here and go, oh, that may really ain't going to go too crazy. And all of a sudden, Daniel texts me and goes, did you just see what just happened? I go, what are you talking Here's how it goes. Daniel said, literally, this happened last night. I think your 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 text was, did you see what happened to Yuri? <laughs> yeah. You know what the first thought that came to my mind that was? What's that? Since he's been drug tested so many times, I was like, "Did he? Is this something happen with Usada?" And then, of course, I go right to I go to Twitter, type in Yuri, and go, "Well, I guess we got something to talk about the show tomorrow." <laughs> without fail, without fail, it's going to be something that's not even on our mind that may lead the show next week. But that's like, like I, I'm sitting there thinking about like what were we talking? I'm sitting there going, "What the hell were we talking about like four weeks ago on the pod?" Dude, I don't. 
I don't know that, but yeah, I, I can't even tell you. <laughs> okay. I, All right. I'm looking at the, the title of the November 2nd episode. So we're like four weeks ago. Mm-hmm. How many rising fighters can you name? <laughs> yeah. We got to mention the rising Bellator car or Josh Thompson's going to get pissed off. Yeah. Um, I, but I, I would say this. I had an interesting interaction with, with somebody, um, on on twitter about this and basically their 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 thought was you guys aren't wrong but it's also the fact of for the most part the american mma media just doesn't pay to to ryzen which i totally agree i totally agree we don't pay attention to ryzen enough like we should but yeah like it and the fact that fight card appears to be a tape delay show doesn't help at all either no not in the landscape of 2022 when there's a world cup game going on right now, as we record, I mean, it's 2022. That's crazy. We're going to know the results. And, and, and a key part of the selling point of mixed martial arts is not the fight quality, but the fight results. And that's just going to be out there. Okay, someone brought this question, this question up to me saying, what is the Bellator show on CBS draw? And I have no idea what, to, what to say. Yeah. I, I got to imagine they're hoping for seven figures. Got to imagine. But like, this is MA in 2022. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I I mean, I think I saw maybe their their peak quarter hour for last Friday's show was like 122,000 on Showtime. But obviously it's limited because of how many people subscribe to Showtime. Um, yeah. But I, I was like, I, I really, like someone asked me on Twitter. I'm like, I really don't know how to respond to this question. Yeah, it, it's hard to tell. It, it's really going to come down to the advertising and the promotion of the last fatal war fight. I think it's not crazy to assume it'll be over a million because it is on a major platform. And, and it's, it's also dur- They'll be able to promote that thing throughout the NFL playoffs. Yeah. So you, you think, think about, were- so that Saturday is the week after the conference championship games. Super Bowl is the following week. Uh, Super Bowl is not on CBS. It's on Fox this year. So hopefully I'm in Glendale that weekend. The following weekend, hopefully. Yeah. That, that's yeah. the hope. <laughs> Do you um, believe in miracles? Like it's it's been a it's been a weird NFL season, man. It has been. I mean, it, it has been. I need a it, it's been the year of upsets every single week. You just can never predict what's gonna happen. You can never predict who's gonna lose, who's gonna win. It, it's been a wild NFL season. By the way, if we have any of our listeners or viewers that live in the Cleveland area, got just you can hit me up on IG, hit me up on Twitter. I found an arcade bar in Cleveland, sixteen bit arcade. I think I've been to the one in Cincinnati. Is it a good spot to go to on a Saturday night? All right, hit up Jason. Hit up Jason. I, I love me some bar go. arcades, even though I mean I'm looking at the uh, the weather here in, in Cleveland. Um, Sunday. 70% chance of rain, low of 42, high of 52. So you're going to be an indoor cat, huh? Well, I feel bad for my guys on the field who, who work at the sidelines. Yeah. We, we did a game a couple years ago in Baltimore. It was cold like that and rained the entire game. Oh, my God. I feel, yeah, you're, gonna, you're, you're guaranteed going to get a cold the next day. Yeah, Saturday, uh, the low is 34, high of 53. So it wow. is hoodie season, bro. <laughs> That it is. That it is. I don't. You know. I, I. You know. It's one of those things when you live in Florida. I don't mind a day or two of it. After a day or two, I'm like, come on, get back my Florida weather. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a cold week, but it seems like this is the first day where the sun's back out in Texas. And yeah, it's it's been rough, but you know. But of course, we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the MA Report Podcast. Of course, subscribe, rate, review, like the video on YouTube, comment on YouTube. We'll get back to those comments as well. Of course, we always appreciate you tuning in for this episode of the MA Report Podcast. We can check out on YouTube and your favorite podcasting platform, plus radioinfluence.com. 